Welcome to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ. The Bernie Church of Christ meets for worship every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1 Upper Balconies Road, right next to Starbucks. Today, a few of our young men in our youth program will be sharing their presentations for the annual Leadership Training for Christ program that they are participating in this weekend in Dallas. Starting off, our first presentation is Boston Palmer. Welcome everyone here today and those online. Thank you for watching. COVID. We all know it happened. We all know it's crazy. I would like to share with you some of my experiences through this pandemic. I was in fourth grade, very beginning, and things started to get weird. School was on, at home and online morning, online only. Each morning, we would wake up whenever we wanted to, go downstairs, get breakfast, and go to the dining room or homeschool room. All over the table were laptops, papers, pencils, markers, and all the stuff that we needed to get our work done for that day. Um, but first, we had to get logged into school websites to find our tasks for the day. Of course, it took my dad a while how to get figured out, how to get signed in into Google Classroom, Hello Idea, Imagine Math, and Zoom. He's old, but he got the hang of it. Speaking of Zoom, uh, one day is bring your pet to school day. Uh, we have dogs, but lots of people have dogs. So I wanted to bring something a little different. My brother's bearded dragon. Uh, we all gathered together on Zoom call talking about our pets. And when it was my turn to introduce our lizard, Charmander. Just when all the focus was on me, perfectly on cue, nature called and Charmander answered. Those times were a little chaotic, challenging, but also fun. We, um, even though it wasn't always easy, we did our best and moved forward. Fifth grade was a little better. We got to actually go to school for school, but we had to wear masks most of the time, and we sit a few seats apart from each other at lunch. We couldn't play together at recess. Even though it wasn't always easy, we did our best and moved forward. This year has been pretty normal, but my family did start the, start the school year at home in quarantine twice. Even though it wasn't always easy, we did our best and moved forward. And this is kind of like all of life. Sometimes life is tough, but you can't live in the past. God calls us to move forward and gives us hope for the future. Turn with me to Genesis 33, starting in verse 1. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, coming with four hundred men. So he divided his children among Leah, Rachel, and his two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself uh, went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. Jacob and Esau are, bro who are brothers who haven't seen each other in years. That's because when they were younger, Jacob tricked Esau and their dad into Esau's birthright he, that he deserved because he was an older son. But now, after all these years, it was time to meet up again. And Jacob is worried that Esau is still holding a grudge. So Jacob approaches cautiously, and he, he sent ahead of him gifts for, a gift for Esau, goats, rams, lambs, camels, and donkeys, a lot of them. Hopefully, this gift will be enough to buy Esau's forgiveness, but true forgiveness is not for sale. 
verses 4 through 9. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Esau looked up around and said, and, and saw a woman and children. Who are these with you? He asked. Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last came Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, What is the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Esau excitedly runs to meet his brother. He gives him a big old bear hug because brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. And Esau, curious, who is this? Who, who is this with you? Before anything else, Esau wants to meet Jacob's family because he doesn't seem to care about. He doesn't seem to care about the past, about the birthright, or any of Jacob's tricky ways. He's just happy to see his brother for the first time and meet his family. Then he asked about the gifts. What are all, what are the meanings of all the flocks and herds I met? And Jacob, still thinking about their troubled past, still trying to buy forgiveness, explains that the flocks and herds and all the bowing down is to kind of trick Esau once again, to find favor in his brother's eyes. You see, Jacob, stuck in the past, is worried about his brother's anger. He's scared that maybe he hasn't done enough to earn the forgiveness. He's stuck in on his old sins that maybe he hasn't done a, uh maybe sorry, uh he's still stuck on his old sins uh against Esau. However, Esau has moved on. He wants his brother, he wants to meet Jacob's family, and he wants and he let go of the grudge. Once held against Jacob, he doesn't even want the gifts. He doesn't need them. And his forgiveness can't be bought. His forgiveness was already there. This reminds me about a story Jesus once told, Luke 15. A father has two sons, and one of them takes takes his share of the inheritance, leaves home, and spends it on crazy crazy life. When the money has all run out, he wants to come home, even if he has to be a slave in his father's house. But But when he even gets close, the father runs out to his son and hugs him. He won't take him as a slave, only as his child. This, uh, sorry. this is kind of how God's love works for us, kind of like Esau's love for uh, Jacob. Regardless of our past mistakes, his love always there is always there. His forgiveness is not for sale, and the only debt has already been paid by the sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah, the past can be hard. My couple years of COVID school were hard. Um, sometimes our mistakes leaves us with bad memories. But I have hope because my God is the God of hope. Our God promises that the future will be bright when we walk with him because he's moved on and doesn't hold a grudge against his people. Our God wants to embrace his children, know us, and be known by us. And we can move on too, not fearful or shameful of our past, but looking forward to the future walking near the God who loves us. Thank you. Thank you, Boston. Great job.
22, 8 through 13. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for my burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called on him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there's, there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by, by its, its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Our next presenter is Thomas Huron. I'm here to talk about promises and how God always has our back. A couple months, about a month and a half ago, I was doing my driving test. I was real nervous, but I remember praying to God and asking him to uh, help me and to stay calm and remember all the guidelines there was to know about driving. Um, the day comes and it's early in the morning. We go, my, me and my mom go before school and I'm real nervous. I tell my mom and she's like, you'll do fine. So we go out, we're driving, everything goes well. We come back, she tells me how I did. Um, I only messed up on two things. Uh, the corn, having my corners, uh, turning my corners, I turned too tightly on my corners. Other than that, everything was perfect. But I remember, and I was after that, I realized that God was there for me in that uh, sense. And God was there for Abraham too, when he was uh, with Isaac sacrificing his son. Um, Abraham and Isaac, uh, God told Isaac to go sacrifice his son. Abraham was faith was tested by doing this um, because it was his only son. And Abraham's faith was tested. God tested his faith. And God provide. God was there for him in the end because Isaac was uh, Abraham's uh, prayer that God had answered for his son. And Abraham, yes, he was sad about um, losing his only son, but he had his. He believed in his faith and he trusted God. Um, right before he was about to sacrifice his son, um, God called out to Abraham. Abraham answered him and. Um, Abraham, Abraham answered him, and in the bush, he, re he recognized that there was a ram. God provided a substitute for Isaac, uh, just like uh, Jesus provided a substitute for us on the cross. Um, Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross was a substitute for us. And in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offering offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could not even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Um, just like today, when you talk to people and they wonder if God's really there for them. 
God has always been there for us. He's always had our back. He's always provided. But if someone asks, ever asks you, how is God ever there for me? Tell them that God is always there for you and he never turns his back on you. Even when some, you sin and you turn your back on him, he's always there for you and he will, all, he will never turn his back on you. Just ask for forgiveness and he will be right there willing to, willing to talk to you. Thank you, Thomas. Nice work. I'll be reading Romans 4, 18 through 21. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offerings be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Our final presenter is Trenton Beam. Good morning. My name is Trenton Bean. I want to talk to you about this year's LTC topic, Promises, and more specifically, the promises of God. Before we get to God's promises, why don't we figure out what a promise is and if God can fulfill the many promises he has laid out in the Bible. Google defines a promise as to assure someone that one will definitely do, give, or arrange something. Wow. Promises must be very special things if we are definitely going to do whatever we promise to do. The Bible holds promises at a high standard as well. In Numbers 30, verse 2, it states that, When a man makes a vow to the Lord or makes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break the words but must do everything he has said. And in Proverbs 19:5, God states, A false witness will not go unpunished and he who breathes out lies will not escape. The next thing we need to look at before we get to God's promises is if we can even trust God's promises. God's promises are like a promise made in my favorite movie, Interstellar. Interstellar is a sci-fi space movie where the Earth is slowly dying and the humans are running out of food. The only option that humanity has left is to find a new home among the stars. A former test pilot, Cooper, is chosen to scout out a few planets that may be suitable. Before Cooper leaves, he has to say goodbye to his 10-year-old daughter, Murph, who really does not want her father to leave. To Murph's dismay, her father says that he has no idea when he is coming back, but he promises that he will. While Cooper is millions of miles away, he encounters many bizarre things. One of the planets that reportedly could sustain life is dangerously close to a black hole. Apparently, time runs differently for objects subject to ex extreme gravitational pulls, such as the gravity produced by a black hole. It's backed up by some really complex theoretical physics that I can't even begin to understand, much less explain. Even though Cooper only spends a few minutes on the planet next to the black hole, because time runs at a different pace on that planet, he comes back 
to find that many years have passed. When he is finally reunited with his daughter, he is, she is about 40 years older than he is. Because Cooper has been gone so long, everyone, including Murph, had given up hope of Cooper ever returning. But against all odds, he fulfilled his promise. Cooper's promise to Murph is similar to God's promises to us. God will fulfill his promises on his own time. And usually our idea of on time is not the same as God's. 2 Peter 3, 8-9 states, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Abraham had to wait 25 years after God promised to give him a son to actually get that promised son. In Romans 4, 19-21, Paul writes, Without weakening in his faith, he, Abraham, faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarai's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do whatever he had promised. So now that we know so now we know that God fulfills his promises on his own time, but how do we know that he is going to fulfill them at all? God states in Psalm 89, verse 34, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. And in Numbers 23, 19, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? We can trust God and his promises. Finally, now that we know what a promise is, that God has his own plan, and that God is for sure going to fulfill his promises, we can now find out what God's promises are. In Matthew 7, 7-8, God promises that he will answer our prayers by saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Next. God promises in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Finally, in James 1.12, God promises us a reward in heaven by saying, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life which, the God, has prom which God has promised for those who love him. Will you please bow with me as we thank God for all of his wonderful promises. Dear God, thank you for always keeping your promises. Help us to remain faithful and to know that your will does not always line up with our will. Help us to remember to ask you when we are in need, to look to you in temptation, and to focus on our eternal home in heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to the radio ministry of the Bernie Church of Christ. You can join the Bernie Church of Christ here on Bernie Radio each Sunday at 11 a.m. or for worship online or in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To learn more about the Bernie Church of Christ, please visit 
bernychurchofchrist.org or call 830-249-2685. That is 830-249-2685. Thank you once again for listening to the Bernie Church of Christ.